had a heart that was dead in the grave Found in the darkness a powerless slave Then out of the movement comes to my soul They'll start it to shake and it had to let go any guests today, not only those that are gathered here, but guests that are watching us on, on live stream. We have so many that send in tithes, offerings, love gifts to the Lord, and we want to say thank you to you for tuning in to Trinity live stream, and send us a note. Let us know who you are and about you. If you'd like a visit, I'd love to visit, unless you live in Poughkeepsie, New York or something, but I, you know, uh, we'd love to get out and visit with you. My 
Why am I? But uh, we got sound effects today. That was Poughkeepsie, New York sound effects. But uh, Mark's going to walk up and down the aisle because he needs the exercise. And, and uh, if you're a guest with us today, slip up your hand and he'll hand you one of these connection cards. Fill it out. Drop it in the offering plate a little bit later on in the service. And we just want to thank you for being a part of our worship here today. Let's give a round of applause to our guests, both here and at home. Right now. There's a particular flavor of chocolate that I've never gained a real appreciation of. It's called bittersweet chocolate. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The bittersweet? Is it drum check? This is the test. Also, chocolate's good. Bittersweet chocolate. Well, there's some bittersweet things in our life, and we want to share one of them today. Uh, one of our own is going to be going into a mentoring program uh, at another church and to grow in the Lord and to find out the Lord's calling on his life. And uh, like for Josh to come forward, he's going to be headed up to uh, Radiant Life to do a mentoring program there. And so we want to, he's going to be here through the end of the month, right? And then he's going to be headed out and... Uh, uh, you, you've got a GPS. You know how to get back here, right? Okay. A little bit. Okay. But uh, I'd like for you to pray with me as I pray over him and ask God's uh, touch upon him, that he would be strengthened and grow in the Lord and, and find out the area of his calling. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Josh, and we thank you for having been a part, a small part of his spiritual life development here at Trinity. And we ask, Father God, that as he goes to go under some mentoring, some training, that, Father God, that you would equip and bless him, that you would remind him of things that he's learned here, and that you would strengthen him in the days to come. Guide and direct him. Let him know that we love him and we're praying for him. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give me a hug, boy. Let me, let me try. Wait a minute. I got to try one more time. Fifteen years ago, I did this. I grabbed and I lifted him. <laughs> Fifteen years, a lot has changed. <laughs> Praise God. The announcements are few today, but we have them all written down for you in the bulletin. And uh, if you cannot read it, we will assign someone to you to read it to you so that you can have all that information. The big announcement for me is tonight, we're gathering to de-deck the halls. And uh, that's at 5 o'clock. We're not doing food or anything like that. We're just going to trust that you can find something to eat at home. But we're going to come and de-deck the halls. But we need your help. There's... My, my, somebody's de-decked already, but, uh, but, but as, as you can tell, I need your help. Uh, we, need, we need you to help as we take all the stuff down and pack it away nicely so that it's ready for next year's ministry. But uh, we need your help. If, we, if you don't come, 
I, I just can't do it all, and uh, I don't think I should. So, uh, would we could use your help. Show up. Say, well, I don't know what I could do. Well, some of you could sit in the back and just put things in boxes as we bring it to you. Others can climb ladders and whatever, and uh, we've got to take down all the decorations and be ready for the rest of the year, but we need your help. And it's, uh, it's a small task if we all kick in and help. So see you at five, we trust. And if we don't see you at five, it's going to look like this for several weeks uh, because I'm not doing it. But join us at, at five. We're starting a new series on Wednesday morning Bible study. And I was looking back over my notes. I don't believe that I have ever done an intensive uh, Bible study in the group of the Proverbs. And we're going to be walking in wisdom for the next weeks as we study the book of Proverbs. There's a lot of meat in there. There's a lot of uh, powerful things that we can learn. And we invite you to our Wednesday morning study. Some of you tune in uh, that are on live stream, tune in for this. We encourage you to share that news with others. We're going to be in Proverbs walking in wisdom. How many of you could do with a good dose of wisdom in your life? That's what we're going to be looking at in the next weeks. Our Wednesday evening Bible, adult Bible study, we're continuing in the Gospel of John, and we just looked last week at the feeding of the 5,000. We have a few more things to look at there this coming week. Be there with us as we study God's Word. It is truly a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. We can hide his word in our heart that we might not sin against him. Lots of other things coming up that you can be a part of and participate in. Read your bulletins and, and enjoy that aspect. I'm going to ask the ushers to come right now as we give our tithes and our offerings unto the Lord. <clears throat> You took the short trip today. You just <laughs> don't use the tambourine. There's a hole in it. That, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to bless your name, to give that others may know the joy of sins forgiven the glory of the gospel, that eternal life is not only possible, but it's your plan, that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. We pray that you would take every gift that is given today, however large or small, and that you would put your hands upon it. And as we studied in your word last Wednesday, when you touch even the smallest little boy's lunch, everyone's fed. We ask for you to touch this offering, do the miracle that's needed to spread the good news of Jesus around the world. We ask it in his name. Amen.
God, we thank you for the assurance that we can have. When everything is right between our soul and our Savior. Send the Holy Spirit freshly today. That if there's anything amiss, anything out of sync with your word and your will within us, you would bring it not only to our attention, but help us bring it to an altar of prayer. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. Praise the Lord. You're better than you were last year. Praise God. I'm not sure exactly what to expect today. I know what the Lord laid upon my heart to share with you. And it's like anything else. I can share it. And it can be applied in a variety of ways. I have in my mind's eye the kind of response that the Lord is wanting today. But that's totally up to you and to me how I respond to the word. Several weeks ago, the Lord impressed me with a series about new things. That in this new year, I realize it's just numbers on a calendar, but we use it as a determining factor in many things. Our lives are kind of controlled by the calendar. Uh, there are certain number of hours in the day and certain number of days in the week and certain number of weeks in a, in a month and so on and so forth. How many of you have an, a, a little calendar program on your phone or on your computer or any old schoolers with a little notepad kind of calendar. There's still some old schoolers out there. We even include a calendar for you every month in the bulletin so you can know some of the things that are going on and we encourage you to use those to give that card or that call to someone who's having a birthday, an anniversary because we're controlled by the times in which we live, many times. But we want to look at some new things that the Bible talks about. But before we can look at the new things, we have to deal with some old things. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word today? A premier portion of Scripture about new things that are yet to be. Revelation, the book of the Revelation, chapter 21. Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 21. Beginning with verse number 1. You remember that John is on the Isle of Patmos for preaching the gospel. 
He's on a prison colony. And yet on the Lord's day, he's in the spirit. It doesn't matter where you are. God can meet with you if you're open and you're ready. Surrounded by criminals of the worst kind, Jesus had an encounter with John on the Isle of Patmos. They told him to write down letters to the churches and to reveal what was going to happen before the end of the age. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was, all, there was no more sea. Just quickly, the reason for a new heaven and a new earth is because the old heaven and the old earth were places where sinful rebellion occurred. And when you see certain things, you remember certain things. And so God, even though the heaven is resplendent and glorious, a rebellion took place there and Satan and a third of the angels were booted from it. He's going to make a new heaven, folks. He's going to make a new earth because when Satan fell, he tried to take us with him and was successful. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So there's going to be a, a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 2, then I, John, saw the holy city. Oh, we're going to have a new Jerusalem as well. Because the old Jerusalem bears the scars of all the battles that have been fought over it. A new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Behold, look, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God, oh, get it, church, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, look, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. Father God, teach us about some new things in these weeks to come. You are the God who one day will make all things new. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. There's coming a time in the future when God is going to make all things new. 
It's not right now, but it could be at any moment that he calls his children home and starts the end time cycle that will result in this portion of scripture coming to pass. There's a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem that's coming to pass in the future. At this point in time in Revelation 21, the redeemed have been rewarded and brought into the presence of the Lord. The unrepentant have received their judgment and Jesus is on the throne. And all things are going to become new. Behold, I make all things new. Saints of God, the Bible says that one day you're going to have a new body. Just like the glorified body of Jesus, it's not constrained by gravity. It's not constrained by place and force and time. It is one that can be in the presence of the Lord and praise Him and glorify His name without weariness or fatigue. I'm excited about some new things that are going to happen. Anybody a candidate for a new body here? I'll have a new perspective because I won't be seeing things from an earthly perspective any longer. I will be around the throne of Almighty God because I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I've been brought into His presence through salvation, through Jesus Christ, and I am no longer restricted in my praise and my glory and my worship of him. Throngs of believers who have gone unto his presence, surrounded by scores and clouds of witnesses, all giving praise and honor along with the angels and the saints of bygone days. We're going to stand one day beside Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Daniel and Elijah and Elisha and Moses and all the rest giving praise and honor to the King of glory without end. I'm excited about new things. We're going to have a new dwelling place. I like my home, but sometimes my home's a little drafty. But my Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I'm excited about a new dwelling place I'm going to have one day. It's not going to be a separate place. I love the way that Jesus puts it. He says, in my Father's house. I used to love that old song, Come and go with me to my Father's house. You see, we're not going to go into a little subdivision. No, he's going to make a space 
in his house for us. He's gone to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms, many parts. And I'm going to get yours ready for you. And when I get it ready, I'm going to come for you and take you home. I'm excited about a new dwelling place in the presence of God. I'm excited. Anybody else here excited about new things that are going to happen in the future? We're going to have a new relationship with God. Unrestrained, we see right now through a glass darkly. We, it's like driving in a fog some days. You can't see things clearly. But there's coming a day, church, when he's going to make all things new and we shall behold him in all of his glory, in all of his power, in all of his righteousness. I praise God for new things. Behold, I make all things new. But that's then. But the Bible speaks to us of some new things right now. And we want to explore those in the next several weeks. I want to direct your attention to an Old Testament passage. Turn, if you would, to Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus, you say, oh, no, not Leviticus. It's kind of like God's telephone directory. A lot of rules, a lot of laws, but there's some. Leviticus chapter 26 and beginning with verse number 3. If you have it, say amen. If you don't, say oh me and just listen in. The Lord speaks through Moses to the people of Israel. If you walk, if, if, conditional, if you walk in my statutes and if you keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. I will give you peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts, and the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies. They shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. For I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat, listen here, you shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you. My soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt 
that you should not be their slaves. I have broken the, the bands of the yoke and made you walk upright. But if you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments, hmm, and if you despise my statutes, and he just kind of leaves it to your imagination, you're going to suffer. The context of this portion of Scripture in Leviticus is the people of Israel are ready to go in to the land of promise that God has given them. This is 40 years down the pike. In one year's time, they left Egypt and they, God was preparing and equipping them to go into the promised land. They got up to the edge they believe the evil report of some of the spies. Oh, th there's giants we can't enter in. We've talked about those giants several months ago. And so he said, okay. The generation that couldn't believe me to take them into the promised land is going to die out in the desert. Hundreds and hundreds died every single day for 40 years in the desert. Multiple hundreds of funerals every single day for 40 years. They move from place to place because of that very thing. But now they've come back to the shores of the Jordan River. And a new group of people, has the children of the ones who were disobedient have risen up. And they've seen... They've seen Moses and they've seen Caleb and they've seen Joshua who didn't die because they were faithful to the Lord. The ones with the good report are still there. The ones with the evil report are all gone. These are the examples that they've seen as parents and grandparents all passed away, but the faithful are still there as an example for them. And they're ready to enter in they're not a group of faithless people. They said, whatever you say, we'll do. You tell us, we'll go. And the Lord speaks to them through Moses and ultimately later through Joshua the same words. That they are to go into the land and they are to purge the land of the old harvest to make way for the new. You have to get rid of the old corn and the wheat and the barley in the fields because God has something new he's going to give you. But until you get rid of the old, there's no place for the new. You see where we're going here? God has something new for us. But there's some things that are old that need to be sorted through and gone over. We need to dispatch the old so we can receive the new. The people of Israel ready to go into the land and for 40 years, what have they been eating? Manna, quail, fresh running water wherever they went through the rock that followed them. 
But I don't care how good manna is. After 40 years, how many of you think you might want something new? I don't care how Zephora and the other women in the, in the group uh, pan-fried their quail, good old southern Israeli deep-fried quail. I don't know. But how many of you think you might want something new to munch on? And he says, what you need to do is there's a harvest sitting in the field. And I want you to go and just clean that out, finish that up, and then I'm going to give you a new harvest. And he, he says it in such a way that when you make one harvest, it'll be just about time for you to plant and get another harvest going at the same time. Season by season, God's going to keep a harvest coming. So after 40 years, everybody's hungry for something new. Have you ever done that? You're, you're hungry, but you're not hungry for anything you happen to have in the house. Has anybody had this conversation even this past week? What are we going to have for supper? Well, we've got, well, that doesn't, I don't know. How many of you are not leftover people? You don't do leftovers. I know some people, they don't do leftovers. I love leftovers. We don't have them very often but because I eat them all. But, uh. but they were instructed to go and consume and purge the last harvest that was still in the fields. And then after that, he's going to create a new cycle of seed time and harvest for them in the promised land. A new harvest after the old harvest is dispatched and dealt with. And in Joshua chapter 5, they did this. They went in and they consumed the old harvest. And look what Joshua chapter 5 and verse 12 says. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat the fruit of the land of Cana that year. They cleared the fields and the manna stopped. God was preparing for them a new harvest, but they had to clear out the old before they could get to the new. I suggest to you that scripturally there are some things, old things in our lives that we need to clear out so we can embrace the new things God would have for us this year. We need to clean out some of our past defeats and failures, discouragements, because God, my friends, has something new. For you. As you look back over the last year, could you see the hands of those that say, I've had some discouraging things happen? Well, this message isn't for very many people, then, I guess. I've had some times that I just failed. I've had some times I messed up. 
I've had some times where I didn't do my best. Defeats. Can you think of some failures, some, some of those dark times, dark things, some poor choices, some stupid things? How many of you have a pet name for yourself? Any of you? Talk to yourself. Anybody here talk? Now, I usually try and make sure that I keep the microphone turned off uh, for most of the time. But one time, uh, this a couple years ago, when I forgot, and, and I, I was down front, and it was time of worship, and I had forgotten something up in my office. And I talked to myself in loving terms, you big dummy, what did you do? And I'm talking to the big dummy all the way down that side, all the way across, and the people up in sound booth are waving me in, because the big dummy is me. How many of you sometimes, you're the big dummy? It wasn't anybody else, it was your stupidity. You say, well, you shouldn't downgrade yourself. I'm just being realistic here. Sometimes, if I'm the only one, I'll, I'll shoulder it. But sometimes, how many of you can be a big dummy? Now, carrying the old into the new year is not a good plan. Because you know what? You cannot change a single aspect of the past. You can't change them no matter how many times you replay the tape in your head. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You replay that same thing again and again, and you, it doesn't even make any sense why, why you're thinking about it. You can't think of anything that reminded you of it, and you big dummy, you, why did you do? And you're replaying it again, you're caught in the grooves of it, and you can't seem to get out. Back when I was in college, my brother Tom uh, took the assignment of a small little country church called Clearview. And it was in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. And it was down at the bottom of a hill. And at the bottom of the hill, you had to pick which rut you got into to get up to where Clearview Church was. You got in the wrong rut, you're going someplace else. And getting out of ruts is a tough thing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you, you're looking, what, a rut? How many of you have ever been on some of these back road places and you get stuck in a rut and you can't get out? Right. Folks, if we get stuck in a rut of our past failures and defeats and disturbing situations, we cannot receive the new things God has for us in this new year until we purge the old corn from the fields to make way for the new. God has some victories in store for us, but we've got to turn loose of the defeats to experience them.
said, well, how will we do that? Well, we're going to talk about that. I think it's best to have a person in the scripture to compare to. Simon Peter comes to mind because he was always being a big dummy. Nothing personal, Pete. Uh, nothing personal. But you know, Simon Peter really did some stupid things. They did some great things. Don't get me wrong. He was the only one that walked on water. The rest of them just watched him walk. But he said some stupid things. He even got under, he even rebuked Jesus one time. Never a good plan. Never a good idea. And he was a big stupid guy that said, I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you, Lord. And then, sure enough, three times. Can you imagine how the cry of that rooster jolted him? It said he went out and wept bitterly. You big dummy. You failure, you deserted Jesus, and now Jesus is dead. He couldn't even believe it when reports of the resurrection came to him. John immediately believed when he saw the empty tomb. Not Pete. He said, I'm going fishing. They go all the way down to the Galilee. It was probably one of the most silent trips ever. They walk down there to the Galilee. They're out in their fa favorite fishing spot just down from, we were studying it Wednesday, just down from Tagga. Warm springs brought the fish in, but they'd fished all night with no result. And from the shoreline, all night of fishing, not a single sardine came in. It's one of my favorite stories. And you know it. I've told it many times. But it's fresh each time to me. There's the big dummy on the boat, right? He's going to throw himself into fishing because he just cannot believe what he had done. And how he had forsaken Jesus in his hour of need. He fell asleep in the garden. He ran in terror when the soldiers showed up. He denied that he knew him before little maids. And he's replaying that again and again and again. All the times he let Jesus down. All the times he denied voice from the shores cast the net on the other side and there's a glint in his spirit he's heard those words before it was three years previous and he says well maybe it's just a, a coincidence and they take the net and they put it on the other side of the boat. And the moment that it sinks into the water, his hands are stinging because the net between his fingers is pulling because there's a massive amount of fish 
in the net. He leaves the biggest catch in the last three years. And he takes off his coat and he dives in the water. He falls at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus wants to heal him of his defeats. Simon Peter, do you love me? Well, he professed that he loved him before, right? I'll not let anything happen. Everybody can desert you, Jesus, and I will not desert you. They can kill me, and I don't care because I'm going to be there for you, you big dummy. Jesus takes him back, and he says, Do you love me? He says, You know I love you. And folks, it doesn't matter how big a defeat, a disaster you've done. He still loves you. She says, you know that I love you. He says, well then, I got a job for you to do. Then he says, well, Simon, do you really love me? He says, yeah. Well, why did he ask him the second and the third time? Because Peter has played his defeat over in his head more than three times. It's on a circular tape in his head. He's always going back to the garden, to Pilate's court, to Caiaphas's house. He wakes up in the middle of the night replaying his defeat, his disasters, his stupidity. Jesus gives him an opportunity. It's not just a one and done, folks. Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to help you turn loose of the defeats of your past so you can receive the new that he has for you. You got to get rid of the old harvest so you can reap a new one. Some of you are holding on to worry and fret, replaying it over and over again, spiraling down further and further and further. Jesus invites you today to come fall at his feet at a place of prayer and hear the words that you know he wants to say to you He's going to ask you, do you love me? Affirm to him that you do. Because he has a new harvest. He has something new for you to do today. But you can't deal with it with the new until you've dealt with the old. Jesus gave him that opportunity, and he gives each of us an opportunity today as well. To clear out the old to lay it at the master's feet. Some other old things that have to go so that we can receive the new harvest. We need to clear out old unforgiveness. Got to let it go. You're not any better with it. You're more bitter with it than better. 
Give it over to Jesus. He knows how to forgive people that still hate your guts. Didn't that what gets you? You know they hate you. You know they've done and said and thought and spread tales about you. But as long as you hold on to it, they have a hold on you. But we serve a Jesus that knows how to forgive those who are still hating him, still spitting at him, still rejecting him. It's the power of Calvary to forgive. Some here today need to come and fall at Jesus' feet. You say, well, you know, am I to let them do those things to me again? No, Jesus only went to the cross once. Amen? But he left it there. He forgave. And so his forgiveness is there for anybody who will reach out and take a hold of it. Some here today, I believe, are bound by some unforgiveness. Yeah, it's that what you just thought about. You're bound by things that are holding you back to the old harvest. Last year and the years before that. You need to clean out the old harvest. Because I've got good news. He has some new harvest for you. He has some new things for you. But they had to purge the old so they could embrace the new. Forgiveness. It sounds so simple, but it's so hard to do. Amen. Some are holding unforgiveness against a spouse that you haven't been married to in years. I'm just saying. Some are holding unforgiveness to things that were done to you when you were a child, a teen, a young adult, all the way up to last week. And when you hold unforgiveness, it creates a, a poison in your spirit. Because we pray, don't we? Forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. We've asked him to forgive us in the same way we are forgiving. Some here today, you say, well, Pastor, I was hoping for more optimistic, a joyful message this morning. I just wanted to, wow. It's not a wow. It's a woe. But you can't get the new harvest till you clean out the old stuff. The new harvest cannot come until you turn loose of the old. Give it over to Jesus today. Find a place of prayer. You don't have to tell anybody else about it. Nobody else may know. But Jesus knows. I was thinking of boring jobs the other day. I don't have a boring job, but I was thinking about them. We were watching the morning news. And they're on, on certain channels from 4.30 to like 9. And every half hour, they repeat 
the exact same story. How boring is that? They're hoping for some catastrophe to shift it up. The weather's still the same weather every stinking half hour. The truck still collided at I-70 and 4th Street. Hour after hour after hour. Now that would be a boring, can you imagine every day reporting the same stuff and acting like you're excited about it? But I thought of a worse job. I, I thought of a worse job. There's some groups that, uh, some religious bodies that have you confess your sins to the priest. Can you imagine a worse job? To sit in a little box, little booth, and you open up a little screen because they're not supposed to know who you are or you them. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Well, I don't have that power, but take it. And they begin to unload on you all the bad stuff of their life. And then the door, you get, assign them a, a homework assignment. Say, Hail Marys and Our Fathers and whatever, and don't do that again, and they just leave and the door opens and another person comes in. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Can you imagine doing six hours of that straight? <laughs> Unforgiveness is tough work. And forgiveness is even tougher. But I have good news. Jesus knows how to forgive and he can help us. If we'll bring it to him. Some people here are bound by unforgiveness to a spouse, to a parent, to a child. I, I see all kinds of emails and communications and posts and whatever of people that are reliving bad things that happened to them that they cannot forgive things that happened 30, 40, 50 years ago. You can't get the new harvest till you turn loose of the old. You are destined, my friend, to eat the old harvest and choke on it. You'll never get the new. How many of you think you'd like to have the new? How many of you are tired of the old? You're tired of the old stuff and you'd like to have a new harvest from the Lord in your life. It could be a work associate. How many of you have some people that stabbed you in the back and left the knife in there? You could be mad at me. I wouldn't know it. But it'll keep you back. Holding on to the old harvest does not make way for the new harvest that God has for you. Bring it to Jesus. You see, we need to clean out the old Get rid of the old harvest. 
to make way for the new. Now, I don't know if any of you have this problem or issue, but we have, when we have company over for a holiday, I think of Thanksgiving especially most recently, because uh, we had this big meal planned, and uh, for months we'd been setting our menu. Any of you do that? Well, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. And yeah, okay. So I went out to the grocery store and I bought all the stuff we needed. But I had no place to put it. Because I had leftovers in the fridge. And we have two fridges. We have one in the, in the kitchen. We have one out in the garage. Because we have stuff. Lots of stuff. And we have freeze, two freezers and all kinds of... And, and, and so before I could bring in the new stuff for the feast, I had to purge out the old stuff in the fridges. Interesting things. How many of you have ever discovered things in your fridge that you forgot that you ever had? Anybody? How many of you have ever done like I did? I, I couldn't tell what it was. It was furry and green. And I don't remember having ever done that. And so I took a, a fork and I moved it. Oh, it was that chicken from two months ago that got shoved to the back of the, of the fridge and took on a life of its own. And a smell of its own, too. It took me half a day to clean out the fridge so I could be ready for the feast. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I didn't like it. Cleaning out the fridge stinks. Cleaning out the fridge, you feel so wasteful. Oh, I thought I would eat that. Well, I ain't eating it now. Cleaning out the fridge is a reminder of your past good intentions that were not followed through on. We don't keep them in the fridge because we're going to throw them away. It's not just a, a kind of a food purgatory. We, how, you don't do that. You put it in there because you think you're going to eat it, right? Yes. I'll warm that up later. You never did. And it's green and I don't want to gross you out, but some of the rice moved. <laughs> Chinese, anyone? Yeah. <laughs> Cleaning out the fridge is not fun. But I want to tell you something. The feast is worth it. Mm. Do you hear what I'm saying to you, church? The work at the altar today is not fun. You've got some defeats and rejections, and you've been deceived and hurt and wounded and stepped on and stepped over and smacked around and brutalized, and it may go back to your childhood and hurts that 
that come in that that agonize you and it's like ripping the band-aid off and it's all fresh and everything it is not fun to clean the fridge but i've got some good news today there's it's worth it when you get to the feast god has some new things for you he has a new harvest for you but you got to get rid of the old so you can embrace the new we tend not to do that though we tend to just stuff the stuff in the fridge until you think it's going to dissolve itself. But it never does. Oh, it changes form. Have you ever opened the fridge and you say, what's, what's that? How many of you really don't want to know what that is? This altar is a place to clean the fridge today in your hearts and lives. Some of you have some pretty stinking stuff in your past. Some wounds, some hurts. And you don't want to, you just want to gloss over them. You want, don't want to deal with them because they're so painful or so ugly or so agonizing to you. But my friend, they're not going to go away until you lay them at the feet of Jesus. But the feast is worth cleaning out the fridge. I have an illustration that happened to me this past week. I can't go into any details about it, nor should I. But I was having a conversation and something was brought up, flashed me back 30 years ago. 30 years. Where did that come from? It's because I hadn't cleaned that fridge out yet. It's still in the back, lurking behind the butter dish. And the same feelings the same fears, the same emotions, the terror, the hurt, the feeling of the kick in the gut were just as real as they had been 30 years ago. I, I found myself weeping. And then I took it to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus knows how to deal with the old harvest and the old corn because he has a new harvest for me. But I can't get the new until I deal with the old. Was it pleasant? Absolutely not. But how many here today say, you know, I want the new harvest that God has for me this year, and I'm willing to pay the price to clean out the fridge? Amen. It's tough, but you're not doing it alone. Jesus is there. And I always have Linda helping me clean out the fridge. 
I said, you know, honey, do you know what this is? Oh, yeah, that was that. Oh, it doesn't bear any resemblance. But Jesus will help you clean up your fridge because he knows exactly what's lurking there. He knows the old harvest of things that have disturbed you underneath the surface that you're not even aware of. This altar will become a, if you're honest today, this altar will become a place of weeping. This altar will become a place where those things that you've left undealt with are going to come out. But the feast is worth cleaning out the fridge. Yeah. Well, what's this new harvest? I don't know. I know that we've been trying to harvest souls here at Trinity since 1938 on the west side of Columbus. In this location since the early 60s. I've just been here 15, 16 years or so. Came in 2007. And we've been trying to impact this area for Jesus. But you know what? I kind of believe that because we're still here as a church, he has a new harvest for us this year. There's some souls that are just about ready to come to know Jesus. There's some lives that are just about ready to be touched for eternity. There are ministries. There are all kinds of things. I want the new harvest, but i got to clean out the old before I can embrace the new. We're going to be sharing in just a few moments in communion his broken body, his shed blood. Passover Seder was a time of remembering the past and getting into the new. But I'm inviting the worship team to return to play a song of invitation. And I want to invite you to clean out your fridge today. You know what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit has been showing you some stuff. You've been reliving some hurts as I've been talking. You don't want to tell anybody, don't tell anybody else about it. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus today. How many of you know what it feels like when you, you break down and you weep before the Lord and you feel so clean afterwards? And you, he's emptied you from that stuff? Some of you need to feel that today. Would you stand with me, please? The Lord told them, not giving you any more manna. That was for a previous time. I want you to clean out the old harvest so I got a new one for you. I don't know about anybody else here. I can't speak for anybody else but this old man here. This big dummy here. I need to clean the fridge today. I believe that God has a feast of a new harvest 
harvest for Trinity, a feast of a new harvest for us in serving Him. What we've been trying in the past, hey, I believe God has some new stuff for us to do. He has some new lives for us to touch. You do whatever you want. This big dummy's going to find a place in an altar of prayer or sitting at the front seats. You do what you want. I want a new harvest. Behold, he makes all things new. How about you?
come as we remember his sacrifice. He paid a debt that he did not owe. We owed a debt we could not pay. He died for our sins that we might be set free from the shackles of those sins. So you know, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're a part of the family today. You may not have been here before, but if you know Jesus as your Savior, please sit down at the table. Remember his sacrifice for you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'm sorry, this is a family event. Only those who know him as Savior should partake. But you can right now. You can ask Jesus into your heart right now to come in and forgive your sin and be your Savior, to wash your sins away. And we invite you. There's a place at the table for you as well. The brethren are going to take the emblems and they're going to distribute them amongst you. Please take the bread and the cup and hold until everyone has been served. And then we will pray over them and share them together in remembrance of what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago. Father, bless these emblems. Help us to remember what it's all about. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
fresh and new mission for us to accomplish in this coming year. But if we're limping in the past, we can't march in the future. Let me encourage you to lay it at the foot of the cross today. Ask Jesus' help to deal with the old and embrace the new. Because he calls this the new covenant. That's one of the new things. A new relationship between mankind and our Heavenly Father. Jesus came to establish it. He was born of a virgin. He had no earthly sin account. He laid down his sinless blood on the cross for you and for me. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, there's healing. That night he took the bread, symbolizing his body, and said, Take and eat and remember. Would you do so today? And remember, he was beaten and bruised for you. Take and eat. Scripture says that after the meal, he took the cup, the cup of redemption in the Passover Seder. He blessed it, gave thanks. Whoa. He gave thanks for what was about to happen to him. Jesus blessed the cup and gave thanks that he was going to die for you and for me and for the sins of the whole world we give him praise and thanks for what he did as you take the cup and thank him for his saving grace. They placed his dead lifeless body in a barren tomb just a little walk from the place of crucifixion. They wrapped him with the spices upon him. The door of the stone was rolled in the face of the, the cave and the, it was sealed with a Roman seal. But Rome doesn't stop Jesus. And a stone doesn't dissuade an angel. And on the third day he arose in victory. And he's alive forevermore. And he has new things for each one of us in Christ Jesus. Go knowing that the resurrected Christ has something new for you this year. Father God, send us out rejoicing for the new things. The old harvest is past. And the new is coming. Help us to be ready for the new by dealing with the old. In Jesus' name, amen. I remind you that tonight I need your help. 
How many of you have come into the sanctuary during the holiday season before the lights were turned on? Anybody here? It was my mistake. I put the, that large nativity scene in the back. And it has scared the stuffings out of me all month long because I thought somebody was going to get me. So I need your help tonight as we de-deck the halls and get ready for what new harvest God has for us here in Trinity this year. See you at five, I trust. Lord bless you. 